0: Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Daddy, we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. You know, it's been, the last few weeks have been pretty exciting here. I don't know if, you, if you've been here the last couple Sundays with the second birthday with baptisms, with Mother's Day. There's been a lot of exciting things going on. And now, this morning, we're actually going to resume. We're going to dive back into our series, our walk through the book of Galatians. Some of you may be like, oh, it's been a little bit of a break. So we're, we're going right back in there this morning. So if you do have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. That's where we're going to be this morning as we prepare to look at the blessing of adoption. A pastor friend of mine named Neil Penner, he shared with me what it was like for him to grow up in the Penner household. He told me that his mom would constantly say this one phrase over and over to him as he left the house. She would look at him and just say, remember whose you are. Remember whose you are. Why did she say that over and over? It didn't matter how old he was or where he was going. To him and his siblings, remember whose you are. Well, he told me that she would say this and then she would add this other one. You're a penner and penners do such and such. Penners act this way and penners don't do fill in the blank. Remember whose you are. You're a penner. And it was Meant to be more than simply just a biological reminder. Hey, you know, this is your mom, this is your dad. It was meant to be a motivator for behavior. Right? As he would go about his day. And he told me, he shared with me, that there would be times he'd be faced with a choice. He'd be faced with temptations. I'd be like, what am I going to do? And he would remember, he would hear this phrase. Remember who you are. And sometimes, not every time, you know, we don't have enough time to talk about the, the times that didn't work. But sometimes, sometimes he would say, wait, remember whose you are. I'm a penner. Penners don't, don't do that. And this idea, this concept of understanding or remembering our identity in order to motivate behavior is going to show up pretty clearly in this passage that we're going to look at. And as we've made our way through this letter, we've seen the Apostle Paul just hammer home again and again the truth of the Gospel. That salvation can't be earned by good behavior, morality, religious checkboxes, or any of those things, or, or Old Testament law-keeping, or circumcision, or certain diets, or any of that. That salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that it doesn't matter if you're you're Jewish or you're not Jewish, what nation you're from, what gender you're from, what social status you are, that anybody who has faith in Jesus is forgiven and becomes a legitimate heir of God. And so what we're going to find in the passage today, Paul again, outlining who we were before our faith in Jesus, what God has done, and who we are now. And I hope, the hope, the goal, is that we will clearly see that according to Galatians 4, 1-7, every single believer in Jesus receives the blessing of adoption into God's family. So let's, let's read this passage together and, and pray. Verse 1, it says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Yes. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The end, I'm done. No, I'm not. But we could be. Yeah. But let's, let's, let's pray as, as we look at this together. Father God. Father what a privilege it is for us to come and, and be able to call you Father. And it's only because of your grace, only because of the work that you have done. And as we look at this passage, as we talk about the blessing of being adopted into your family, I'm asking for your spirit to come and, and help us. Help us to understand your word. Help us to put things into practice that we need to help us to, to respond in the way that you would have us. Just change us. Guide us. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we get just like right into this text, I'm going to actually just right from the beginning take a little bit of a sidebar for you, okay? Just going to address some background info about this this little bit of the beginning here. Owners, uh, guardians, children, what's going on there. What Paul is saying Uh, this is kind of familiar for us. He's saying, until you come of age, you might as well be a slave, right? Um, This is why the language that he says of being a son is really important when we talk about adoption, rather than just saying a child. Because in this time, only an adult son would have rights and privileges as a legal heir. A child wouldn't. This is why he's saying children, slaves, but adults, heirs, okay? And so I think we understand this. Any of us who may have a will or life insurance policy or anything like that, right? Um, Brandy and I, if if we were both tragically killed today, it would be horrible, but we have set things up. um, If that happened, uh, Mackenzie and Noel don't instantly get everything, right? They're, They're little children. It would go to their legal guardians to manage and be responsible for this until they reach a certain age, which we have determined, and then they would receive... Not that much, but what we have... They would receive it, okay? And so it's quite common for us to understand this. It's quite common in the Greek and the Roman world too. This is what they did. Families would go and they would specifically purchase slaves, purchase servants to be those guardians for their kids because they would do other things. And they would raise them, manage them until the children became of age, whatever date that was set by the father. When they came of age, from that day forth, they were a child no more. They would be treated as an adult with the privileges and the rights of an adult. But they would also be expected to act like an adult. And it was then, and only then, that they would receive legal adoption status in the family. So if you do remember a few weeks ago, we were doing Galatians 3, when we finished Galatians 3, we talked about the idea of the Old Testament law being the guardian. And it was put in place temporarily, meant to be this mirror that shows us who we are, shows our sinfulness, shows our filthiness, and shows that we need a Savior, that we need a rescuer, that the law points us to Jesus. And it's only through faith in Jesus that we can come of age, so to speak, that we can become true sons of God. And so as we take a closer look now at this passage, talking about adoption, you might be saying, okay, uh, 2016, Windsor, snow in the morning, What's the deal in May? What does this text teach us today? What does this text reveal to us about adoption today? And I believe that there are three questions concerning our adoption that are relevant to all of us. They're applicable to every single person, and they can be answered from this text. So the first question is, who were we? If you're writing things down, I encourage you to write things down. It's good to take notes. good to be a learner that way. Pastor Garth is writing furiously in a different way. First question is, who were we? Uh, verse 3. Verse 3. Paul gives an answer here. Verse 3 says, In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Paul answers really clearly. We were enslaved. The answer to who were we is we were slaves. We were slaves. Slavery is the reality of every single person on the planet without faith in Jesus Christ? That's right. That's right. Every single person. This is the bottom line that the Bible teaches us again and again slavery, captivity, imprisonment, bondage, chains, whatever term you want to use for it, it's universal. And now this slavery, the specific method of the slavery, might differ from person to person. So for the Jews, it may have been slavery to the legalistic obedience of keeping the law. For for Gentiles, it could have been slavery to worshipping other gods and and, and idols and things like that. Or slavery to performance. Slavery to a specific sin. Whether that's pornography or greed or lying or whatever, it's all still slavery. None of it provides freedom. It may promise freedom, but it doesn't provide freedom, and we're stuck The sad but true state of everybody on planet Earth spiritual slavery. Because you see, left to our own devices, left to our own obedience, our own attempt at righteousness, we're doomed. God is perfect. And we're not. And we can never be. We're stuck. We're chained. We can never please. We can never reach that level. We need help. We need someone to rescue. We need someone to do something. Which beautifully takes us into the second question this morning. Okay, so who were we? We were slaves. The second question is, what did God do? What did God do? Verse 4 and 5. This is where it's, it's, it's incredible. But... When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law to do what? To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Yeah. What did God do? God sent His Son to redeem us. He didn't have to. He chose to. He chose to rescue us. In the fullness of time, it says, or it might say in your version, uh, the right time or in God's time, God sent Jesus to die on the cross to redeem us. Now, redeem, some of you might say, well, that's kind of a a Bible word, church word. It's thrown around. It's in songs and stuff. What does it mean? To redeem simply means to set free by paying a price. To set free by paying a price. So, In those days, you could go along the marketplace and there would be slaves for sale that you could simply just buy. I need another worker. I'm going to buy this slave. They're going to come work for me. That happened all the time. Or if you were feeling really generous and compassionate, you could actually pay the redemption price. You could pay to redeem the slave and actually just set the slave free. No, you don't have to work for me. You're just free now. I just felt like being really nice. You could do that. And so this is what Jesus has done. He sees us in slavery and he pays the price and he sets us free from sin, sets us free from the burden of the law. How did he do this, you might say? Because he never sinned. Because he perfectly kept every bit of the law. So that perfect standard that we required, he is that. And not only is that, not only did he perform perfectly, then he offered himself up in our place. He died our death. He shed His blood so that we could have our sins forgiven. So that the chains could be broken. So that we could be set free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that we could be more than set free, so that we could be adopted as sons of God. So that now anyone, anyone, who trust in Jesus Christ alone, alone, to be right with God, isn't only forgiven, isn't only set free, again, which is way more than we would deserve. If someone came to me and I was a prisoner and said, hey, break the chain, you're free to go. Wow. That's incredible. Thank you so much. And if it ended up being God and they say, hey, I'm God and I set you free, I broke your chains, Um, I want you to do anything that I say now because I'm God and you're not and I set you free, I'd be like, okay, Right? But more than that it says, "Oh, I've set you free, but now I've adopted you into my family, and I'm giving you the full privileges of being a legal son, of being an heir." Seriously, who does that? Have any of you ever done that? I don't know how many of you have ever set prisoners free, but <laughs> maybe you've read a story where it's fiction, nonfiction, a movie or something? and you see somebody breaking into a prison, setting people free, or releasing captives, whatever, you've seen that, that happens all the time, maybe in movies and TV shows and stuff like that. Oh yeah, we understand that concept. But how many times when someone's being set free, the person says, oh, you're, you're in my family now too. Come. Be my son, or, or be my brother. Be an heir, legally, to All the inheritance that I have, everything that I have is now yours. You get a share in it. Who does that? God does that. And it's incredible. Incredible. You're in my family now. Which leads us to the third question. So, who were we? We were slaves. What did God do? He sent His Son to redeem us. Third question Who are we now? Who are we now? Look at verse 6 and 7. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Who are we now? No longer slaves. We are sons. Sons. Legal Heirs. Just just stop for a moment and think about that. Because of what Jesus has done, we have moved from slaves stuck, chained down, to sons standing free. Our identity completely shifts. From this slave who is chained, who is trying to please this master, knowing deep down inside, I, I never can. It's never going to be quite enough. To then a genuine family member, who God looks at and is always pleased with. Now, some of you went, "Whoa, hold on, Phil. What do you mean? How whoa, whoa, always pleased with?" Did you just say "always pleased with"? I did say "always pleased with," and you're going to say, "How is God always pleased with me?" I still sin. I still disobey. I still mess up. What's going on here? Well, before you kick me out for being a heretic, let me explain. It's a great question to ask. See, a lot of us have an idea uh, that was probably similar to how I thought uh, Christianity worked, how God viewed me. Here's an example we wake up maybe one morning, we, w- we wake up early. And we're like, ooh, I'm gonna wake up early and I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna read my Bible and and, oh and I have that devotion time and it's great. And I'm really loving and gracious and generous to my kids and to my wife or whatever, and and I'm driving to work and I'm listening to to worship music, maybe it's smile FM or who knows whatever. I go to work and I'm I'm super kind and I'm forgiving at work and and everything goes great and I come home and I go to bed and I go, hmm, good day. Good day. God must be happy with me today because of what I did. It was a good day. And then the next morning comes, and you sleep through your alarm. First word out of your mouth is a four-letter word. I can't believe I, whatever, slept in. And then you, you're mad, you're rattled, or whatever. You yell at your wife, you yell at your kids, and you're I have no time for you, I've got to go to work, blah, 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 blah. And then you you're road road as you're going, I can't believe it's another red light at McDougal and, and Howard. What is the deal with that light? <laughs> Every time it turns, even though there's no cars. Anyways, and then you get to work, and... Same thing with Cabana and Home Depot. What is going on? Okay. And, and then you get there and you say something and, and you lose your mind and you get angry and then you come home at the end of the day of work and, and you lie down and you go, mm, bad day. I bet you God is not happy with me today because of how I performed what I did. And that's maybe how a lot of us live. That's how I lived for a long time. So how could God be pleased with me because I had a bad day? Well, here's the thing. God's pleasure towards us is not based on our performance for him. Okay? Our performance for him is brutal. Filthy rags, the Bible says. That's a very kind translation, actually. Well, yeah, anyways. See, God's pleasure towards us is actually based on Christ's perfect performance in our place. And the fact that we are his now. So he looks at us and he sees Jesus. And he sees Jesus' perfect performance. His perfect righteousness. His perfect obedience. And he sees that it's in our account. And he says, that's my son who I am well pleased. That's my son who I love. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross. You are his beloved son. It's just like any of us who have kids. They have moments where they do something that we are displeased with. For sure. And there are uh, consequences, and there's discipline and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, we still love our kids, because they're still our family. We won't just like, "Well, you're not a Stephen Morgan anymore." No. And so if you're here today, you're here this morning, you've, maybe you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus before. Maybe this is your first time to church. You, you've never come to him for forgiveness. You've never even heard about this idea of confession and, and being set free and what he's done. I'm, I'm urging you to come to faith in Jesus today. Come and join the family of God. It's, it's a family that he adopts people in. Come and experience the joy of freedom from slavery, freedom from sin, and the blessing of being God's heir. An heir I mean, there there are so many uh, blessings in this idea of adoption, and I, I, I can't list them all. I'm just going to list a couple. Just going to touch on a few. Okay, blessing of adoption: God becomes our father. God becomes our father now and forever. Forever, the Holy Spirit is present in our lives. We receive the Holy Spirit. God within us. We become a co-heir or a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. We mentioned about freedom from sin. We mentioned about freedom from the burden of trying to perform because Jesus performed for us. And not to mention, we get to join the international family of God, the global church. Good blessings, good privileges of adoption. And I'm going to actually suggest that there are two stages of adoption. Not to overcomplicate things, but I just want to um, present this to you. When you become a Christian, when you put your faith in Jesus, you are legitimately a son of God and an heir right then and now. Instantly. That's your standing, okay? But the full experience of that reality, the full experience of being adopted, we're not going to have that until Jesus comes back. Right? The best is yet to come. First John three 1-3 uh, to three talks about this idea that we're, we're going to see Him and we're going to be like Him and we're going to be with Him physically and eternally forever and ever enjoying our inheritance which is God Himself with zero interference from sin. So we are adopted but man, that adoption is going to be so much better soon. The best is yet to come. I mean... D- Look at verse 6 again. Just look at verse 6 again. Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Why do we receive the Holy Spirit? Because we are sons now. Because we've come of age, so to speak. And now we're in a position to begin to receive our inheritance. So you can put it this way even, that receiving the Holy Spirit is like Uh, The first stage of receiving the inheritance, accessing the inheritance, we get to begin this relationship with our new father now because of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's like step one. It's 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 really really cool. We get to call God Father. Like He says, "Hey, you're my sons. You're my sons." And just like Jesus, my son, He calls me Father. You can too. Okay, guys, like the God of the universe who speaks supernovas into existence for fun says, You can call me dad. Yeah, wow. A little bit more of the wow should be happening. You can call me dad. Now, some of you may be like, whoa, hold on, Phil. Wait, wait, we're talking about God here. Like, he's the Lord of glory. Isn't that a little bit uh, too bold, too disrespectful to to say uh, God is daddy? I mean, right? We're talking about God. My question is, what what do your kids call you? Do they wake up and say, oh, master of the house, (laughs) could I have jeans to wear? At the breakfast table, do they say "Royal provider of food"? May I have Rice Krispies? <laughs> Majesty of transportation? Can I go to school? No. <laughs> oh. Well, maybe your kids do that. I don't know. Uh, our kids—they say "Dad." They call me "Daddy." Maybe "Dado." I like that one. I like that one. I don't know why. But why? Do, why do they use those terms? Why do they use those terms? Anybody? Family. We're family. We're family. We're family. We have a deep personal relationship. Sure, I am Mr. Sieben Morgan. Yeah, they could call me that. Reverend Sieben Morgan, how are you? They could. That's a title. But they call me dad because of the relationship that we have. And because of... Our faith in Jesus, we join God's family as His sons, and we have that kind of relationship. And guess what? He, he's actually okay with us calling Him dad. He's cool with it. If He wasn't, this passage and others like it wouldn't be in His book. Abba, Father. Abba is like Papa or Daddy. Here, why don't you just turn to the left a little bit to Romans chapter 8? I'm not making this up, I'm not lying. Romans 8, perfect parallel passage. 14 to 17. Turn to the left a few books. 14 to 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. There it is again. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So because of Jesus, we can come boldly into God's presence knowing that he will welcome us. That he will welcome us, warmly invite us excited to see us, wants to be with us. That alone should motivate me. It should motivate us to want to spend more time with Him. He's ready and waiting to receive us. God, would you... Help us to know this, increase our prayer lives. He's waiting to welcome us. He wants to spend time with you. You're his kid. That he loves. And so we've seen. We've seen who we were. We've seen that we were slaves. We've seen what God has done, that He's redeemed us, that He's adopted us. We've seen who we are now, that we're sons, that we're heirs. And being an heir comes with tremendous blessings and privileges and rights. But just like being a legal heir to a corporation or a state or something like that today also comes with responsibilities, being an heir of God comes with responsibilities too. Um, We're not simply called to just bask in the glory and the blessings of being a son. Well, thanks. Hmm. All who have faith in Christ are actually now called to learn how to live like a son. You can write that down too. Learn to live like a son. What that means is not going back to slavery. Not putting ourselves under the chains of the burden of the Old Testament law or the chains of performance, the chains of whatever it is. To remember and say, Jesus has set me free from those things. He's made me a son, so how do I learn to live like a son? We are sons, and I'm a co-heir with Christ, and Christ has rescued me. So, how do I live like a son? Join the rescue mission. That's one responsibility. Make disciples. You've been rescued. You, God, God calls us his ambassadors, representatives. We have a responsibility to go and to help other people be rescued. To tell them that they can be rescued. That To be the body of Christ on planet earth to be salt and light. That's a responsibility that we have. How else do we live like a son? Um, remember. Remembering is so essential. See, I forget a lot of things. The Christian life is all about remembering who we were, what God has done, and who we are now. Right? So, to remember who we are, that by faith, I'm a son of God, I'm a, I'm a legal heir, the sibling of Jesus. And then, just like Neil Penner's mom would say, remember whose you are. It's a little bit different. That you are God's. And according to John 10.27 no one can snatch away those are in, that are in his hand. So you've got to remember that. I'm God's and no one can come and steal me from God. And our responsibility is not only to participate in, in the rescue mission, not only to remember what's true, but every one of us who's a son of God now has a responsibility to grow. To grow. To We've, we've come of age. And so now we have this ability by the Holy Spirit to become more like our dad, bit by bit. And so we learn to grow like our father. And that is our responsibility. Okay, what does this mean now to, to live like my dad? I have this God as my father, so how do I do this? And so we grow. Why would we pursue holiness and righteousness and compassion and, and mercy and love and all these things? Because God is those things. And He's my dad now, and so I want to be like my dad now. And again, like I said, the Holy Spirit actually makes it possible for us to do this. So maybe we ask ourselves Am I growing? Am I growing? Have I grown in godliness since I professed faith in Jesus? Am I learning to live like a son? How how am I growing? Can, can, Can I see evidence of the Holy Spirit working in my life? Is there change? And now, of course, everybody has periods of struggle, periods of doubt, periods of failure, periods of disappointment, but the Bible consistently teaches us that genuine followers of Jesus will grow. We will grow. Everybody grows, though, at uh, different rates. So we've to be careful not to compare ourselves to ourselves. So our, my daughters, Mackenzie and Noelle, are just great examples of this. Um, Mackenzie has learned so much more and grown so much more than Noelle is. She's a lot older, right? So we don't hold them to the same expectations. And we shouldn't hold each other to the same expectations. We have people here who have been walking with the Lord for probably 50 years or more. And we also have people who have been walking with the Lord for a couple months. So growth and expectations and behavior and all these things, right? We've got to have a little bit of grace, a little bit of patience as we all learn to live like our Father together. So take time. Take time today to ask God, how do, how do I learn to live like a son? Teach me. I'm going to say this too get with other people who are trying to learn to live like a son. You can't do it by yourself And we're not created to do it by ourselves. We need to help each other as we learn to imitate our Father. Get in different studies, different different groups, whatever. Find people that you can talk to and say, hey, you know, maybe somebody who's walked with the Lord longer than you. What have you learned? How's this? Somebody maybe who's walked uh, with the Lord for less... Time than you. And then you can kind of impart some wisdom there too. Here's what I've learned. Here's get with with people so that we can learn and remember together. And show grace and patience and compassion and forgiveness as we do it. Because we've seen in this passage through faith in Christ, right? Again, I've said it so many times, but we need to hear it, we need to remember it. We're no longer slaves. We're sons and heirs of the king of the universe. should blow your mind. It's been blowing my mind as I've been preparing to do this. I've been all over the place. Like, oh my goodness, this is just it's insane. But it's great. So as we remember this, let's never stop being thankful. Even if it snows in the morning, in the middle of May. Let's never stop being thankful. Who we are now. Never stop remembering what Jesus has done for us. By faith, you are God's son, a legal heir. Remember whose you are today. Remember whose you are tomorrow. And remember whose you are always. Let's pray together. Father God, again, it is such a privilege for us to come before you and call you Father. You are the one who has done this work and made it possible. You've brought us into your family because of your Son. So God, I pray for each one of us that we would remember this, that we would learn this, that we would cling on to this. And again Lord if there is anybody here this morning who has yet to place their faith in you. Yet to join your family. Would you stir their hearts? Would you bring them to yourself? Would they be drawn to your grace? Drawn to your love? Drawn to your adoption? May they know today that they could be a genuine son of God. And for those of us who who do know you and have known you for a long time, help us to remember that you're pleased with us because of your son. That no matter what happens today, yes, there may be things we need to be uh, maybe confessing and, and receive consequences and discipline for, but no matter what happens, if we have faith in your son, we can go to sleep, put our head on our pillow in peace, knowing that you are pleased with us and that you love us because we're yours. (coughs) Remind us of that. We're no longer slaves, but we're sons. Amen.